This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Amelia Dunlop. Amelia is the Chief Experience Officer for Deloitte Digital and the U.S. Lead for Customer Strategy and Applied Design. On this episode, Amelia talks about measuring values and quantifying the human experience. She sheds light on some of the groundbreaking research she's been doing at Deloitte and explains what it means for marketers. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click the link in the show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And on the other line, Emilio, what's going on? Hey there. How are you doing, Ian? It's a great day. Uh, and it's a great day to be talking about the human experience. We're going to get into the human experience quotient, what your role is as chief experience officer at Deloitte Digital, and dive into a little bit into your background. So first, how did you get into marketing? Well, it's funny, Ian. I think about the fact that my journey uh, into the world of marketing was a, was a bit of a circuitous one. Um, I actually graduated from, from college and as one does, uh, went straight into graduate school to, uh, to get a master's in theology. So it was, it was really while well, I was studying theology and you know, wrestling deeply with the questions of the meaning of life and purpose and, and all that good stuff that I brought with me when I, I transitioned uh, actually to, uh, to be a management consultant in the, in the strategy world and the, in the innovation world and wanted to bring those sort of larger questions to life. And it's been a really crazy journey, but I, I still bring with me some of those bigger questions around purpose and what does it mean to create uh, amazing experiences uh, as a human. So I bring all those things with me uh, to the world of marketing. I love that. Um, yeah, from theology uh, to the stars here. So let, let's get into your role as chief experience officer at Deloitte Digital. What's the scope of your role and, and the work that you're doing? Sure. Well, about a year ago uh, in Deloitte Digital, we brought together uh, a lot of the different parts that we thought were really important to be able to serve customers and kind of build out the marketing functions. Everything from strategy to design to e-commerce and branding and activation. And we sort of asked ourselves, what is the thing that unites us all? Uh, across these different disciplines. And we realized that that our common aspiration is really to elevate the human experience. And we realize it's not so much anymore just about the customer experience because, you know, you and I didn't wake up this morning and, and have a first cup of coffee and think of ourselves as customers. We, we start and end each day as humans first. So that has really been our rallying cry for everything that we do, all 6,000 of our employees, both internally, but also how we bring that out to the world with our clients and with our clients' customers. And so we realized we needed to kind of organize and galvanize ourselves around that. And I've been very fortunate to, uh, to help lead that process um, around what it means to elevate the human experience in my role as the experience officer. And how many marketers are you working with in a given week, month, year? Are you uh, kind of in and around? I know you're 
you're working with a lot of really cool folks. So I'm curious, like what's kind of the role of, of your exposure to how marketing plays into the digital experience and ultimately human experience? In, in terms of um, the kind of the, the clients that we have the, the privilege of serving, um, we definitely see a, a range of the kind of the Fortune 500. And like you, I'm, I, uh, I find myself in forums, whether it's the, uh, you know, the ANA, the CMO club, or, you know, even kind of this past June at Cannes, just constantly in conversation with CMOs about what they're trying to do to both the kind of nuts and bolts of just activating kind of current customers, acquiring new customers, but also to kind of get out ahead of what does it mean to drive new experiences where we use access to the cloud, big data, the ability to be much more predictive and prescriptive to individual human needs. So those are the the types of conversations I love having uh, with our clients. Okay, let's take a step back and talk human experience quotient and the values compass. Like this research report that you all came out with, the human experience, the value of human values. Like why did you set out to do this and, and what are we what are we talking about here? So as I mentioned, we we set out this this kind of bold aspiration around elevating the human experience. And we sort of started saying the words again and again and again and realizing that that they um, started to kind of take on meaning and clients just started to to pay attention. And but we realized we're not the only ones talking about experience these days. So what we wanted to do was go beyond you know, saying that we think it's a good thing to focus on the human experience to asking ourselves a really hard question, like, does it actually have value? Uh, and so we got together a team and we did some work over about six months. And I, I sometimes joke that we were so doing our, our PhD uh, research. You know, we did the kind of comprehensive lit search. We comprehensively looked at other studies, other reports, anything else that um, we thought might help inform the answer to this very hard question. And what we came back with was the fact that in order to quantify the human experience, we had to do a couple of things. First, we had to think about what we consider to be a new value equation for growth. So it's what we call the human experience quotient. And so that's the combination of the customer experience, the workforce experience, plus the partner experience, sort of all kind of elevated or raised to the power of H. And by H, we think of that as the human values. So then we said, okay, great, we've got this new equation for to fuel growth, but how do we measure that H factor? And again, so we went back to the drawing board and looked at all the different ways that sociologists and psychologists and others have measured behaviors and measured values. And we came up with our own kind of tool, which we call the values compass. And the cool thing about the values compass is it's pretty intuitive. Uh, It's basically north-south is the difference between belonging as a sense of community and the the we, or the sense of me and the desire to kind of self-fulfill and kind of of motivate. Or the east-west, which is about the known versus the unknown. And there it's much more about uh, the known, which is the safe and secure, and the unknown, which is all about exploring and the kind of new frontiers. And that we each can plot, just uh, answering a few questions ourselves along the values compass about uh, what our core values are. And then we can quite easily measure alignment between an individual values, an employee's values, a partner's values, and just look for alignment across an organization. And we realized when we did that, where we got to um, alignment of values, those organizations that did have a shared set of values were twice as likely to drive uh, long-term growth over three years than their competitors. So we got kind of excited about it because we realized focusing on the human experience really does drive value. 
Yeah, let's talk about those results. So it seems like there's some obvious like mathematical equation to this, which obviously anytime we we try to, you know, quantify human experience in some type of equation, we're pretty complex, right? So as you look at this equation, which essentially breaks down to, if I'm right, you know, customer plus workforce plus partner satisfaction to the power of uh, of mm-hmm. H, which is this like human centricity, right? So if we're saying, you know, like a lot of times on this show, we talk about the importance of being customer centric, the importance of being, you know, ultimately human centric, you know, any, any B2B sale is ultimately obviously just like, you know, a group of humans who are making a buying decision together that each have, you know, their own individual agendas and all those sort of, sort of things. So if you're saying underneath all of that is this idea of values or, you know, mission or purpose or something in there, how do marketers look at those values and either bring it to their organization or bring it forward in their organization? Yeah, uh, that, that's a great question. So I think, I think a couple things. One, I'm aware that as CMOs, there's so many things that we need to do to drive growth, right? So you've got to think about your classic four Ps and driving kind of near term kind of foot, you know, the foot traffic uh, to your channel. And there are times where wrestling with the values of your end customer may not be the thing that's most important to drive the kind of that near term kind of product movement. I acknowledge that just felt like I need to say that right off the bat. And as stewards of the long-term value of your brands and of the long-term products uh, of your organization, they're not uh, starting to think more about the aligning to the values of the end end human or the end uh, that you would like to be your customer would be a mistake, right? So acknowledging that short-sightedness would be a mistake. So the way we think about activating it is taking an assessment of the values of the customers that you're serving understanding kind of what those dimensions are. There's really, there is no such thing as a wrong values compass. I mean, that's one of the beauties in it, that each of us are individuals, each of us have different values, and that's really okay. A diversity of values is, um, is totally fine. Um, one is not better than the other. But then understanding how we tap into it. So if the client uh, or the customer that you want to serve is much more oriented around the sense of belonging, the sense of the tribe, followership, um, how you appeal to him or her and the buying decisions will be quite different than if, than if it was about sort of self-actualization and being the, the thought leader at the forefront and the cutting edge of something that their peers may not um, be familiar with. So it's, it's just acknowledging that there's a, a values basis to the kind of the long-term loyalty and connectedness that we feel to the brands that we love. Well, yeah, and I think telling that story, right, is is critical. You know, we've we've had uh, you know Chandar CMO Koopa, who was on here talking about you know building a movement, and we've had multiple guests on here that have talked about like you know any true company that's going to bring about you know real change or disruptive change needs to have a a movement around their brand or a movement around some sort of mm-hmm. uh, change that they're seeing. How do you think that? you know, building a movement, building a tribe of people who believe the same thing that you believe kind of plays into this. Like, how do you go about doing that? Oh my, I'm, I'm sitting here smiling because I, I think about what my own experience has been with this very simple concept around elevating the human experience. And I remember the first time I heard the, the words, 
I sort of thought, you know, you're crazy. I can't imagine a management consultant ever saying those words uh, with a straight face in a room with a, with a client and being taken seriously. And I have been surprised and delighted just how much it, it does resonate with executives, very senior executives, uh, skeptics, as well as, as believers, and how much it has really created a movement. My hunch is that it resonates intuitively that with the pace of change that we have today, right? So it's a given, kind of, you know, how fast uh, digital has changed our lives, how fast uh, the amount of data that's available on anything, any one of us is changing our lives, that I've written a bit more about the fact that we've created something that I've called a human experience debt, which I think of it as analogous to technology debt, where we sort of make decisions today that kind of create long-term costs. Yeah, uh, we, t- and- we talk about this all the time at our company about like culture debt. And yeah, I think this is super true totally. because I think that we, we leverage technology sometimes to like, you know, kick stuff down the can or kick the can down the road and just like, Hey, we'll just not deal with it right now instead of like, you know, leveraging to make, make better connections or thing like, things like that. But anyway, sorry. No, no, it's fine. I mean, so there's, there's just, a, if you think about it, so there's technical debt, there's financial debt, which, you know, again, we're all familiar with, you know, putting up till tomorrow, the, instead of paying for something today. And I just see that we're doing that now around human experience. And that's why it's this movement that is, that is happening around, um, you know, elevating the human experience is just so exciting because I think that it's resonating intuitively. There is a felt need for it. And we see it, you know, in just examples all around where, AI, artificial and augmented intelligence, is making our lives easier and better, but it also may be building in biases where the scanner may not recognize the color of my skin uh, or the color of my eyes, or you know, there may be a predisposition based on the particular zip code I'm in for the types of offers that I'm, that I'm presented with. And recognizing that we don't intend those, those biases, but if we're not designing with the human at the front, we may be building up more human experience debt. You know, we had uh, Whitney Mortimer, the CMO of IDEO on here, and it, it kind of harkens back to this idea of like, you know, user-centered design or design thinking. How do you build things for people that they, is more natural to them? You know, it's one of the big problems with like VR, for example, is you can't put on a VR headset for more than, you know, a certain amount of time every day because it just makes you too dizzy. Like the, your brain is... VR technology is not close enough to the human eye such that it's still disorienting, right? So even though we want to, you know, we want to have this experience, but I think that a lot of the experiences that we have from like a marketing perspective kind of feel the same jarring way, but it's just, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to step out of the simulator and throw up, but it's still equally jarring. (laughs) I mean, I think lots of us would say that we've had customer experiences that would make us want to throw up. Actually, but, you know, um, I, I do. Yeah, I do want to throw up every single time I get 15 pop-ups on uh, when I go to a website and there's five pre-roll videos and they're all being blared full volume, even though like I feel like my phone's, uh, you know, on <laughs> on silent. So yeah, no, I take that back. That does make me want to throw up when I when there's 19 different pop-ups on, on a page. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many things in there. I mean, I think about you mentioned human centered design. So, obviously, at the heart of uh, the human experiences, you have to start with um, the kind of the human need, right? And unmet needs, the the friction, the thing in their life that um, is just that we can make easier. And 
it's not actually that hard to do as a sort of a science, um, but it's just so important to kind of start with the human as opposed to the product or the technology uh, that we're trying to push out to the world. And, and actually, as a, as a human myself, I get excited to think about all the industries that are ready for a better human experience. I won't, I won't knock any in particular, but uh, we all have our favorite experience with, with industries that, you know, have not uh, delighted our, our senses. So I think about that, that there's a lot of opportunity for making our lives better. And then I also think about we have so much of our brain power and so much of our smartest thinkers creating these new technologies for us that we would all be better off if we started with the premise that we're anything that we create, whether it's AI, you mentioned VR, that really begins with what is the human experience and the outcome that we're trying to achieve. So I want to get into some of the results of the study, and we'll link up the study in the show notes and the PDF. Highly recommend you look at it, especially it's very visual to be talking about equations and X, Y axes and things like that. So go check it out. But so there's, there's, you know, five learnings from measuring human values, you know, be obsessed with all things human, proactively deliver on human needs, execute with humanity, be authentic and, and change the world. It's funny, you know, when you read those, when I read those, and I was looking at it, I was like, this, it's such a good kind of like roadmap for something to like reset, you know, as you're preparing for your marketing plan in 2020, or whatever it is, to think about how your campaigns do these things, how your copy does these things. I, I think that they're almost good, like, you know, a really good framework to make sure that, you know, hey, if you're checking the box on all five of these things, you know, as you're creating your markdown strategy or, or whatever it is, that those would be good, good benchmarks. I'm curious, like, you know, in, in those findings, what were some of the things that surprised you? So I appreciate you um, kind of referencing the kind of the five tenets. We really came up with them um, more to answer the question, okay, so if you believed anything that we've said so passionately, enthusiastically about why elevating human experience is necessary, right, all the human experience debt that we've built up and the fact that it does fuel uh, long-term growth, what would you do about it? Right. What would you or I do about it as, as a CMO uh, or sort of a, a business leader? And this was really our starting point for what to do. Um, and it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about previously. The first things first, you know, stop pushing out products, stop pushing out technology and, and start with the human. The second thing is let's use it, that AI, AI and that technology to be proactive, to anticipate a human need. Let's recognize that you can't actually show up as human to your end customer just by having a call center, right? Or just by having that frontline employee that the entire organization really does need to, to kind of reflect the, those values and be, be more human. And then the, the idea that I often talk about this with my teams, that it's pretty hard to get wrong the human experience. Do you know what I mean? I said, like, the only way that I've seen that you can really mess it up is if you're inauthentic, right? If you somehow are trying to be, you're faking something, you're not going to be in your true self. So authenticity really matters. As human beings, we can sense it really easily. Authenticity and vulnerability are required for any kind of connection. So we realize that's uh, so important. And then finally, I mean, kind of part of it, one of the things that just makes me so excited about it is I do believe the focus on the human, it has the power to be transformative. And I think in about something as simple as, have you ever had one of those days where you're just in a really sour, kind of foul mood, 
And um, me, no, you, you bump it. Never happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> I, you, my my colleagues might disagree, okay, well, but so, not okay, me. So stay with me. Stay with me. Like let's pretend for a moment you were in a really bad mood. I have an active imagination, so I feel like okay. I can get there mentally. I can follow along with you, but I can't draw from my personal experience. Okay, so let's pretend you're in that foul mood, and then you bump into you know a dear friend or or even a stranger, you know, and who has like a cute little puppy. You can't help but smile. And what I love about that is just by that human contact, it can actually change the arc of your day. It can change the whole sort of way in which you're holding your shoulders tightly or not, kind of relax the muscles on your face. And an, an interaction with your computer isn't going to do that for you, right? But an interaction with a stranger, you know, or someone that you know and love can actually have a transformative effect on us. And so that's why I think as organizations, we are collections of human beings serving the needs of other human beings. We have the power to, to have transformative impact on people's lives. How'd that do for changing your, your, your day? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm changed. The puppy, I'm <laughs> happy. I mean, you just have to you, say the word you, puppy and it brings a smile, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I, I feel like there's, you know, 100,000 years of, of human evolution that we're, we see a puppy and our brains are like, that is good. Like, protect that little thing because every investment you make into that sweet little creature will be coming back tenfold. I don't know if you've ever seen that, uh, that meme where it's like a wolf, like staring at a, staring at a group of, uh, of humans uh, around a fire, like, you know, a hundred thousand years ago. And it's like, I bet if I just went over there, nothing bad will happen. And then the next thing is like a pug wearing a tutu or something like that. <laughs> um, anyway, no, I haven't I seen that one. That's pretty good. Okay. So Amelia, if I were to, if I'm putting on my CMO hat and I'm going to say, I want to get started with taking the first step, what could I do to implement this into my company, you know, over the next, we'll say three months, three months to a year. Yeah, no, I think it's the, the question of how to get started is, is a good one. I'll tell you what we've done and what we've been kind of working on with our, um, with our clients. I think, honestly, the first thing is to ask the question, what would it mean for our brand or our organization to show up and be more authentically human? And it's interesting what happens if you start asking the question. It changes you know, the meeting that you might be sitting in, it changes the slides that you might be using, it changes the tone that you might use in, the, in your PowerPoint deck. So it starts to change internally in some ways first, before you then think about what are you going to do to change and how you connect with the humans that you call customers. So in some ways, the first change is the easiest and the hardest at the same time, because it is about creating a bit of a culture shift, a bit of a movement and revolution within the organization. And then very practically speaking, this is where understanding the values of the humans that you aim to kind of serve is important. So that's where the, uh, the diagnostic tool around the values compass will help. You know, doing some kind of survey to understand kind of where you might have gaps between the values uh, of the humans that you're serving and, and your employee population, because that alignment does have long-term value. So I think those are some places you would start. And then any other ways that you can get insight into the human. So as a, from a human-centered design perspective, ethnography uh, can be important to understand the kind of the unexpressed or unmet needs of humans. So those are a few ways that, that we would recommend getting started. 
The other thing that we've done, honestly, internally is start to really acknowledge and reward uh, the people who really demonstrate more of our hum- the human behaviors that we're, that we're hoping to see. So we've started celebrating with a kind of recognition program behaviors around connectedness, you know, people who really create uh, amazing experiences, and also the people who have the most innovative ideas. So I think rewarding the behavior internally is also how to get uh, some of the change externally. Okay, switching gears, I want to talk about Can because you just came back. Well, I guess not, not just, but recently, you went to Can Lions. You hosted a bunch of marketers. You saw a bunch of stuff. You you did a marketing dinner. I'm curious, just what were some of the things that you saw that were really exciting? What were some of the things that you know you heard from CMOs? And what are you excited about for kind of like the future? Wow, like that's like the most broad question ever. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, can I tell you about the experience uh, experiences of on the uh, sipping rosé on the yachts? Um, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So that's what uh, I think. Well, that's- you don't actually. We do this podcast on a on a yacht. I don't sip rosé during the podcast, but afterwards, uh, producer Ben and I sit there and we just hold rosé and look at it into the into the distance. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, that's that that is everyone's sort of perception, mental model of what uh, what can is. So you have to do it. So broad question in, in terms of kind of my experience with the can. And I, I will tell you, Ian, I, I went this year for the first time. So I had not gone previously. So I went with sort of fresh, non-jaded eyes. And I think the first thing I would, I would comment on is the work, right? So I think a lot of people go uh, and, they, and they don't take the time to really uh, see the work of our colleagues and our peers. And the work itself is just you know, it's amazing to see it all in one place, right? And so impressed with, uh, with, the, with the creativity and the kind of almost just the beauty and diversity of our humanity that you see just in that body of work. So I think I was impressed by that. I also loved the openness and the dialogue that I had with so many different CMOs that I found people very, very open to making new connections. It felt like a sort of a safe space uh, where people could make connections and also that the connections felt somehow more authentic and more real sometimes than you get in a sort of larger conferences or things where it felt like there was you know more meaningful dialogue about the kind of the bit like our kind of industry and the business and the way in which it's changing. So I loved that. What else? I did obviously pay t- a close attention to this this topic of passion about around experience and to understand who's talking about it, who's doing something different about it, what does it mean to people, uh, how are we bringing it to life, uh, what are we doing differently. And I felt that we're still at, at the very early stages of what I see as more of a you know, more of a movement, more of a revolution towards human at the center of everything that we do. And I think we're seeing it in a variety of movements, whether it was Me Too movements, Black Lives Matter, you know, a lot of the, sort of the social campaigns that we're seeing. In my mind, those are all related, right? They're related to wellness, they're related to well-being, diversity and inclusion. All these topics are a way of expressing this desire to show up in a way that authentically represents humanity. Um, and I saw some of that at Can as well. What about some of those insecurities or insights that you heard from CMOs around the dinner table that you can share? <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's it's well known that as CMOs that the tenure and the sort of the fast cycle nature of proving 
the value of, of marketing, the value and return of marketing, the value of the role. I think that is, uh, that is present for sure. I also found a lot of conversation about how do CMOs get broader exposure to what I would call more C-suite issues, more CEO level issues to be a part of that conversation and understanding how the broader geopolitical landscape, macroeconomic landscape is impacting the work of CMOs. Uh, So I feel like some of those conversations were also really interesting. Last question before lightning round. The third part of my three-pronged question. So, you know, what's next for the study? What's next for Deloitte Digital? How are you looking at human experience quotient uh, and values compass in, in 2020 and beyond? Oh, awesome. So we're doing a ton to bring kind of the human experience to life, uh, Deloitte Digital. So we are putting together a series where we can host CMOs and invite them to come and have the conversation with us about the human experience. We're getting ready to launch uh, some global CMO trends uh, later in October. We're looking to, in, in the spring, host you know, this is sort of, this is my, my sort of design idea, Ian, is to get together an awesome group of CMOs for 24 hours only and to create this immersive multi-sensory experience for them to really bring to life what we mean about, by the human experience. So we'll be hosting that in the beginning of 2020. And then also just what we want to make available to, you know, to all of your listeners, uh, to all of our clients, this values compass. Uh, recognizing that it's a it's a tool that we think um, everyone should be able to use and make it available to uh, to kind of really foster the conversation about what does it mean to kind of put the human at the center. Well, if you have some CMO trends, boy, do I know the podcast you should come on to talk <laughs> about trends, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, we'll definitely uh, we'll happily happily share those with our audience and with our newsletter. And for everybody who's not subscribed to the newsletter, just go to marketingtrends.com. It's great. Ben does a great job. So you seem pretty passionate about this topic. Where did kind of like all this energy come from to to explore these kind of ideas? Well, so one of the things that I, I didn't mention to you is I'm actually a mother of of three children, uh, as well as being a you know the chief experience officer here at Deloitte Digital. And one night not too long ago, my eight year old daughter, she's nine now, but this is this is just before she turned nine. I was putting her to bed. One night, totally normal night, you know, we just read, uh, you know, little Anne of Green Gables. And she turned to me and she said, Mama, what is the meaning of life? And I thought, wait a second, you're eight years old. Like this, this can't be a serious question. Or like, what television program have you just watched that you are asking this question? And, I, you know, I realized that she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, what, what is it? And I realized quite quickly that, you know, this is one of those parenting moments that you just, you don't want to mess it up, right? And so I thought, well, I can tell you my answer for what I believe the meaning of life is. And I said, you know, it's something like, you know, for me, the meaning of life is the connections that we make with the people that we love. But I also said that the question of, of a meaningful life is, is worthy of a lifetime to answer. And that you, you know, my sweet little eight-year-old uh, would need to answer that on your own. Somehow she seemed satisfied with that, you know, hugged her little panda bear, kind of kissed me and rolled over and went to sleep. But it really sat with me. The fact that an eight-year-old would ask the questions about the meaning of life really underscored for me the fact that questions of meaning, questions of our humanity are 
unchanging, ever-present, and have been so through the you know, millennia of humanity. It just reminded me that what we're doing in our organizations uh, with our companies really is and always should be about the human at the center. Uh, and so I love what we get to do now. I love, Ian, having this conversation with you about what does it mean to elevate the human experience. I love the fact that we, you know, in 2019, are at, are at a time when this is a conversation that is meaningful in the business world, right? This isn't just, you know, over a cup of coffee between two friends, but as a group of CMOs, a group of executives, that this is something that would be at the forefront of our, of our conversation. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. You need to have the follow-up question of, of uh, no, we're not, or the follow-up answer of we're not getting a puppy just because uh, of this. I know, <laughs> I know it. You might think no puppy that that's for you. Meaning. No puppy for yeah, you. That, that might be the meaning of life when you're eight, for sure. Uh, it was for me. That's once we once we got sweet puddles, then my my world changed around. Wait, your puppy's um, name was Sweet Puddles. Well, it's just Puddles, but he was pretty sweet. He was a good little dude. He was my my friend for a long time. All right, let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like B2B marketing with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing on the world's number one CRM, that is Salesforce. And Pardot does the Pardot puppies every year at Dreamforce. So it's, it's highly relevant, all of our puppy talk, because Pardot is a very puppy-friendly uh, friendly team. So check them out. We love Pardot. You will too. Pardot.com slash puppies. Amelia, lightning round. I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? Okay, I'm going to go with Rent the Runway because I get, to pick, I get to pick out uh, new dresses to arrive every week. What TV show or podcast are you, or book, are you watching, leading, reading, listening to right now? So can I answer all of those? <laughs> yeah, answer all of them. <laughs> okay, so book. Currently rereading uh, Cormac McCarthy's *The Crossing*. Uh, my husband and I are reading it out loud. So love, love some Cormac McCarthy. I am always reading and listening to the um, various Buddhist and Stoic authors. So Marcus Aurelius is a favorite. Not currently watching any programs. I feel like the, the lifestyle doesn't lead, lead a lot, leave a lot of time to uh, to watch the, the television, the Netflix. What is your favorite thing to cook or eat? Chocolate. Like beginning, like <laughs> full stop. Easy to cook. Uh, easy to eat. Uh, other than no, actually, chocolate. I have to tell you, no, I have to tell you that like I am known for like that I will travel with high quality dark chocolate. And like that like no kind of like basically no afternoon should go without high quality dark chocolate. And what I love about the fact is like that people know that about me. I've had clients give me chocolate because, you know, we wanted to kind of partake in the experience. Well, so other than chocolate, do you have a hidden talent or passion? Uh, I'm a dancer. So when I was six years old, uh, I, I was enrolled in sort of the ballet and the tap and jazz and then um, kept doing that sort of four or five days a week. And I was in high school, I was in a professional dance company. And I, sometimes people ask me, so I'm like, when did you stop dancing? And I was like, wait, you've assumed that I've stopped. <laughs> um, so dancing, uh, my, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, when, you know, when you have to give the fun fact, my fun fact is if there is music, I will dance. What are you most excited about for the future of marketing? I'm most excited about the world that we get to shape um, and, the, and the fact that we are 
in my mind at the beginning of an experience revolution. And that's, that's the world I'd like to live in. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? I don't think we ask the question enough around what we should stop doing. What could we be doing less of? I feel Ooh, like that's a good one. Do you know what I mean? Because there's, there's no one in, in your organization or mine who will, who will say, Hey Ian, I think you should do less. Um, or Hey Amelia, I think I mean, yeah, it's actually, right? you haven't talked to, you haven't talked to my employees. I think they would all say that I need to do less. <laughs> right. It's like, there is this, there is this, we live in a culture of more, right. And this culture of there's always another hour in the day. There's always something else you could be doing. that's more productive. And I'm just, I mean, I live it. I'm sure you do as well. A very full life, right. As a mother of three, as, as a kind of a partner uh, in Deloitte digital running part of our business, our lives are very full and I think we don't often stop and ask ourselves what, what could we be doing to give time back to ourselves, give time back to the people we're, we're working with. And I think it's an important question because you can't really get to quality. You can't really get the ability to kind of slow down and have a meaningful experience if we're constantly running from one thing to the next. So I think the question I don't get asked enough and I probably need to ask others more is what should we stop doing? Awesome. Amelia, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Um, well, I would, if you haven't already, I would say definitely check out our, our article on uh, elevating the human experience and how human experience fuels growth um, available on Deloitte Digital. And my, my exhortation would be, you know, as marketers, let's go create this world that we would all want to live in where human experiences really matter. I love it. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And we'll be, uh, we'll be following along. Great. It was awesome chatting with you, Ian. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is created by the team at mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot. World-class marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in the show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound.
the speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.